This is the Hunt for Wellness podcast with Lauren Hall. It's another great day for wellness, and this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Dr. Tunis Hunt, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom. And Pax, I am super excited about today's show, uh, really for a couple of reasons. One is that uh, this is one of the first guests that we're having on the podcast that's not actually an F3 member. Uh, we've, I think up to this point, have really interviewed uh, doctors and specialists and certainly other PACS members who are affiliated with F3 and have an F3 nickname. Um, and the reason this person is not a part of F3 is the second reason I'm super excited is this is our first female guest on the show. Um, and uh, she is really bringing an, uh, a topic that's going to, in my opinion, going to be super interesting. And, and admittedly, I'm super ignorant in, and this is what makes me so excited. I, I feel I, I do a good job of really expanding my mind to lots of wellness and health techniques. And I, and I know I've shared over the last couple of years uh, through the COT podcast with health tips and things that people can be doing, but I've never shared this information uh, or anything around this information before. And that's because it was kind of off my radar and full disclosure, I, I learned about our special guest today and the, 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 really the specialty that she has by another PAX member that listens to the show. Uh, this individual reached out to me and said, hey, I'm doing something for my health that's really helping me. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting for the PACs to listen to and learn more about. And so we were honored and, and had the opportunity to connect. So I am talking about Lauren Hall. And Lauren Hall is a hypno, hip, hypnotist, right? I said that correctly. Mm -hmm. And she has a practice that uh, helps men and women and children, and I'm sure of, of all ages, uh, utilize this special technique. And so before I butcher anything else, I'm going to turn this over to Lauren so that she can introduce herself and really kind of help us understand who she is and kind of what she's got going on. So welcome to the show, Lauren. Dr. Hunt and everyone listening. I am so grateful to be here because I really want large podiums to demystify hypnotism because it's, it's stigmatized and it's actually the oldest form of any therapy, psychoanalysis therapies, you know, everything that we're using in these modern times is branched off if you look back in the history. So my business, Modern Day Hypnosis, I've got this tagline. It's a new approach to ancient techniques. You know, we did shock therapy for a decade, right? You know, I'm not here arguing whether or not that works, but hypnosis works and we shy away from it because it's as mystical as the mind. 
Yeah. You mentioned ancient. How ancient does it go back? Do you have any not understanding of how far back we, we have records of people using it? There's documentation from Egypt and Greece dating back to 3,500 years. Wow. So definitely something that's uh, not brand new or something uh, new age-ish, if you will. It's, it's something that we've been using for a long, long time. And a couple hundred years ago, you know, physicians were really, you know, the main ones using hypnosis and they would gather, um, you know, a lot of patients into a room to display the techniques for other physicians to learn. And this was, of course, entertaining. And at that time, there were all these traveling stage shows. And this is how it got tangled up in the entertainment aspect, which is what a lot of people think of hypnosis as today. Yeah, you you bring up a great point because I mean that's the first thing that kind of went through my mind when when you hear the term hypnosis, you think about the guy quacking on sca- stage like a chicken or or doing some different things uh, that kind of they're out of their mind, if you will, and these people are being manipulated to do things that are out of their control. And to your point, it's really kind of used as an entertainment factor and not necessarily a therapeutic. Uh, factor of, I think, what it was probably originally intended for. You know, you think of, you know, the the classic things that come to my mind, and I'm sure you've heard them too. You know, you think about the movie like Office Space, when the guy kind of gets hypnotized and, you know, d- you know, blows off his job or or even like Shallow Hal, where the guy gets hypnotized to kind of reevaluate what his girlfriend looks like and just get tricked into, into thinking. Um, so obviously that's a, maybe you can correct me, can that happen or is, is that even a possibility? And then B, what's more practical as far as what um, you do as far as how you help people? You know, I'm just as curious about this as probably everyone else. You know, I, I wasn't raised by hypnotists and just taking over, you know, the family business. Uh, I, I started reading um, just, you know, psychology books, self-help, personal development, you know, goal achieving, self-actualizing uh, literature. And so many books that I was attracted to kept mentioning hypnosis and showing case studies. And I thought, no way, you know, if this really works, you know, if it's a conversation and then you change even uh, physiological change, you know, chronic pain, hair regrowth. If, if this worked and there's no negative side effects, everybody would be talking about it. We'd all be doing it. We'd learn about it in school. And, you know, I've been doing this uh, almost 10 years and we'll talk a little bit, I, I think about, you know, why it is hypnosis isn't yet broadcast on billboards, you know, and, and the short answer is because it's so subtle, but it's amazing. We're in stories. Your subconscious is inside of a story. So I tell everybody that you're already hypnotized. So this fear of getting stuck in hypnosis, you're already in hypnosis and no one does this to you. You've done it to yourself. So someone can come in with a creative suggestion and say, pretend you're a chicken, you know, really pretend you're this chicken. You're pretending you're this chicken. You have all this pressure from an audience watching you. You've got this authority figure, you know, you sort of had some compliance build up, right? If you're participating in a stage show. And you're going to pretend that you're a chicken for a short time. You're not going to permanently behave like a chicken, but people that work with me for goals, people that want to change the story of addiction, you know, anxiety, um, insecurity, like it's a chronic pain. We can change that story. And because you really wanted it at your you know, core value, it changes. And is it me that made the change? No, it was you and your brain. I was just the creative director. That's an interesting perspective, you know, that you, I don't, you know, I don't think people put together. I think they think that something's planted in them externally. And and to your point, 
you know, there might be suggestion, but really what's going on is you're, you're, you're just taking what you already have inside and being uh, expounded upon or directed towards uh, that. So that, that, that's interesting. And I can totally understand that and see that. So before we kind of dive into the nuts and bolts of kind of the science behind it and what you understand as far as how it works, um, tell me a little bit about your personal story. I mean, how did you even, you mentioned reading and seeing it in literature, but like, how did you go from someone that kind of was learned about it or even interested in it to really kind of studying it and then certainly start to practice it as part of what you do on a daily basis? So here's my story in a nutshell. I'm a, I'm a very uh, logical, practical minded person. I have a ton of engineers in the family and I myself was doing really good in, in science and math. I just love learning, but I did not want to be an engineer. Uh, I, I didn't want to be a teacher. I definitely didn't want to be a therapist. I, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So in college, I took all the aptitude tests, which were so scattered. And I found myself in business school um, with a degree for marketing. And so then I went on for these really high, you know, successful, exciting um, corporate jobs. But after a few years, I just found that I, I wasn't fulfilled. I was successful, but, you know, I wasn't satisfied. And so that, you know, had me leave corporate. I started in real estate. Again, I had that same sort of drive. I was building teams. I was making, you know, tons of money, but there was a, a sense of, you know, boredom or just, it felt stifled. So that's when I really thought, you know, what is it that I can develop more about myself? And of course I had these teams. So I was helping other people to figure out how to get out of their own way. Right. And just do the incremental, you know, consistent steps to feel that happy state. And, and this is how I kind of came across those books of hypnosis. And I had my own goals. I wanted uh, to support my family with goals, right. Which those can be some of the hardest people to help. And I, I never intended to be a professional hypnotist, even after I started studying it. And I talked my, with my mom, who was a nurse, and she's like, why don't you get certified? There's no school you go to to get a, a degree in hypnotism. So um, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and there was a shaman. Um, and actually, another woman who came to the training with us was a shaman. And I had never heard this word. Uh, it's like a spiritual um, you know, sensei, right? a, a very kind of earth-oriented uh, you know, spiritual leader. And so we really went into some of the ancient and esoteric philosophies, as well as all the, the modern um, psychology formulas. Like you mentioned in Shallow How, Tony Robbins, who's, who's really well known for using NLP, neurolinguistic programming, um, that process, you know, created by uh, Richard Bandler and John Grinner, really talks about the science and art of communication which is what hypnosis is. If we're storytellers, then it's all about that language. And it's not just the verbal language. You know, a, a picture's worth a thousand words. So we have all of these, these visual and sort of kinesthetic um, screenshots happening in our subconscious brain. And I just find it so entertaining for me to learn about the mind by having this lab that I have, which is my office. So Nikola Tesla, when I read about him using hypnosis, him and Mark Twain would meet for these like really high brainiac sort of um, experiences to, to go into the depths of unconscious mind. I thought, I want to know what this is so that I can make um, real, um, you know, effective uh, support for this planet that I care a lot about. Yeah. So as far as kind of developing your technique, I mean, you, you obviously 
you know, learned about it and it piqued your interest. And, uh, and, and you mentioned not having, or there's not a specific certification or degree that you have to get. What did you use as tools to kind of develop your own technique and kind of become, you know, the clinician that you are today? Right. And even, you know, without, um, say sanctioned licensing, anyone can call themselves a hypnotist, you know, depending on what state you're in, uh, can define whether you're a hypnotherapist or a hypnotist. Now, I'm, I'm using hypnotherapy, but in North Carolina, I'm not a hypnotherapist. And in okay. that, that first training, even though I was, I was getting um, a baseline because I had never experienced hypnosis before then. I'd never read anything about um, how to hypnosis. You know, I had just read these case studies and these stories about, you know, it's, it's ancient uh, validity. So after that first training, even though I had uh, the tools, you know, the techniques and the scripts, I still felt confused about what it is, you know, how, how do you say these things? You know, is it just the script? You know, do I have a standardized process for each person that comes in? So I, I really took about uh, five trainings over the years so that I could take from each of those, the parts that I saw hypnosis as being, because like I said, I have a very engineering type mind. So it's like I've, I've engineered uh, therapy. And my real goal is that people are empowered with the simplicity of these techniques because, you know, personal development, right? There's billions of books, maybe, I don't know. So there's so many mm -hmm. uh, recipes for it. And I would consider that we each will write our own personal development book. Yeah, you bring up a good term there, personal development, because I think that is something that a lot of people can resonate with. I think in our society, in our world, people are looking for self-help and self-development. And I don't know if anybody or not many people, and certainly not myself prior to learning a little bit about your work, would maybe bridge the gap between hypnosis and self-development or mental development. Um, yet, you know, that's kind of what you are alluding to is how, how do we kind of, uh, exercise our brain? If you will, I think something on your website said something about be your mental coach. And, and I guess I would have never thought of hypnosis as a tool to really kind of be that, uh, a catalyst for mental development. Uh, I guess I just, I never put that two and two together. So speaking of that, I mean, obviously you work with lots of different clients, a, a, a variety of different things that someone may come to you for. What are like typical things that your clients come to you for help for? Mm. You know, I, I didn't recognize what sorts of cases would walk through the door, um, but it really seems to be a catch-all. It's almost like anything that people haven't gotten support with elsewhere through, you know, self-directed change or conventional channels, you know, falls towards hypnosis. Uh, weight loss and smoking are probably the heaviest, you know, marketed um, solutions that people think about hypnosis for, because it is, you know, very quick and effective over, you know, so many other modalities for lasting behavioral change. But when I, you know, cut through people's stories, because you're only oriented to one thing at a time, you could have a bunch of different thoughts but you're only oriented to one thing. And so if someone comes in and they say, I want this change, then they're unconsciously oriented that they don't have that change yet. They, they want it. They don't have it now. They wish they had it, but it's not right now to the subconscious, to that emotional, you know, experience, all things are now. 
So, you know, I really get subtle with the language to say, you know, you don't have this problem. What you have right now here in this moment is an opportunity. And after I politely interrupt them enough with that, what I call hope coaching, you know, to just sort of uh, quiet the limitations, then I can say, you know, what will it feel like when you have it? Oh, it'll feel so good. You feel so good because you can imagine having it right now. Uh, and then that change is made. Yeah, you, you use the uh, phrase there, cut through people's stories. Yeah. And um, I think that's interesting because, I, I you know, that's exactly, um, you know, I guess that now that I'm thinking about it, really what you do. I mean, people come in with their stories of who they are, what they're capable of doing, what they're incapable of doing. And yet you try to help them. I get, are you trying to help somebody rewrite it, reframe it, uh, just see that what they're telling themselves isn't accurate. I mean, kind of what's the strategy behind that? I mean, for instance, if someone, you know, uh, I, I can't lose weight, I, I've tried everything. I, um, I, I, I just, for whatever reason, I hate dieting and I just can't do it. I've never been good at it. I'll never be good at it. I mean, obviously I'm not asking for a, a free session here, but as far as, you know, what, what, how does that cut through people's story philosophy fit into somebody's storyline like that? It's so individual, you know, okay. I could have 20 weight loss requests in a week and every, every person's going to he hear different, um, you know, tools and language from me. And the more people, you know, that I've worked with, which, which is now over, you know, a thousand to me, it boils down to stress and confidence. And if you can alleviate stress and infuse confidence, then people will fix their own story. You know, sometimes people are coming in for um, what we could consider superficial goals, you know, a, an external pressure, you know, they'll say, Hey, can you help me work out four times a week? Right. I just have this, this recipe that I can't be happy until I'm working out four times a week. But really, when we look at their story under this sort of, you know, opportunity setting, what they most want is just to feel confident about themselves. And when they get that feeling, maybe it's three times a week, maybe it's five times a week. Does that make sense? It just changes mm -hmm. because they now already experience what they have felt they won't get until they sort of, you know, conquer this, this willpower equation. Yeah, you're, you're helping them redefine their definition of what's going to make them happy to, to a point, right? I mean, is, is that kind of what you're alluding to? I mean, or being grateful for looking at it in a different, uh, you know, set, set of law, uh, set of eyes, you know, for instance, I can sit here and, and concentrate on everything I don't have and talk about my lack and what I need to acquire and, and how I'm going to be happier when I do, or I can reframe it and say, let me count how many things I'm already grateful for and, and have and achieve. And that just changes your mindset and it allows you to maybe reframe what you thought you needed to achieve, to acquire those things. And, and that's, you know, that's kind of cutting through a story. I, I'm assuming that, you know, as far as, you know, using your terminology, uh, it, would that be accurate as far yeah. as, okay. Definitely. Very well uh, said. It, people are defeated. 
you know, oftentimes their goals are so ambitious, they, they feel defeated before they begin. And so I want to, I want to get back to neutral and say, look, you want this goal, but because it's exciting for you. It's almost like revitalizing uh, that, that inner drive and not just the mental, you know, competitive drive. Yeah. So if, if, if someone is interested in kind of coming and being through a hypnotherapy or, or, or being hypnotized, what does like a session look like? I mean, cause you, you think of these, you know, you see on video, you know, you're getting sleepy or follow the thing and, and you feel like it's this production that you, you're going to have to go through. Um, but it sounds like to me, uh, just in our conversation so far, it's almost like you're just sitting down, having a conversation with them and kind of leading them through a process. So how, how you know, what kind of time frame does somebody usually use to, to do a session? And, and what does that kind of look like if somebody was interested in that? I, I like to really plan for our first meeting to have around 90 minutes. It's not a to the minute um, exchange. Every hypnotist, you know, just like different massage therapists, they're going to have different ways that they, you know, have, have programmed their process. Um, I do it session by session. I want you to want to be here, you know, every time that we do this. Um, and if you're only coming to me one time, that's not a problem because I'm going to, I'm going to power punch everything that I can because you are already your own hypnotist. So it's, it's not like this is the first time that you've experienced hypnosis. This might be the first time that you get to a relaxed depth. This might be the first time that you consider, you know, a new perspective. Uh, to that story, then we can unpack that in conversational hypnosis. So, you know, people, when we work, um, whether in person or virtual, we always take the first little bit, maybe the first third of the session to converse. And people probably expect that this is the intake or a consultation, but it's already begun. You know, I've already started very subtly just reframing some of your language. You know, it's like you have anxiety, you know, you had anxiety. Right. You know, you, you want this thing, you know, you can experience this thing right now, pretend it's, it's just behind you or it's, it's, it's underneath you go ahead and start feeling it. So there's so much um, subtlety with language and it does not have to be that bedtime story voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that brings up a good point. Cause you, like I said, you, 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 at least those of us that are ignorant and then have never quote unquote been through in a professional session, that's kind of what you're thinking. You're thinking someone's changing the tone of voice and now this is the lights turning low and it's, you know, kind of this production when in reality, it's probably none of that. So you mentioned like the first third of that, that conversation, does that just kind of roll into some additional conversation or do you, do you um, change technique? Uh, you know, kind of what do you do for that 90 minutes? Uh, and, and then how does that 90 minutes typically kind of conclude? I mean, does the person realize that, okay, wow, I, I, I've had this epiphany or I feel different or how, how does that typically work out? I mean, it's, it's like I'm teaching, uh, you know, the, the subconscious. And so kind of like a, a class where you might learn something uh, really profound, but simplified for math, you, you just know it now, you know, and, and you don't really have to 
effort. I mean, maybe, you know, learning math is a bad example because there's like extra homework to really get it in, but you don't have to really practice these things again and again. So every time a person comes in say they're working with me, maybe a couple of times, it's not long-term, you know, I don't want any sense of dependency. You're your own hypnotist. You know, I was just that, that, you know, creative input to help you pivot things that had felt stagnated or heavy. Um, and it's not all about people who are under what I call a threshold. There's a lot of high achieving people, a lot of professional athletes who've worked with me and who work with hypnotists regularly to continue to finesse um, specific goals, not, you know, the same goal again and again and again, because it, it just gets satisfied. Yeah, you brought up a, a good point there, because I think sometimes we think about therapy as something that you're trying to get rid of or overcome but then you just led some examples about acceleration, you know, how, how you get high impact people or highly professional, you know, athletes, for instance, who are just trying to better their game. I mean, they're already superb, you know, humans and, and accomplishing so many things, but through the use of hypnosis, they're able to also redefine some additional goals and continue that growth process. How, from a ratio standpoint, would you say more people come because they're over trying to overcome something or does more people use it for that acceleration part? That's a great um, question. I'll say right now, my ratio is probably 60% are trying to overcome. And then, you know, the close to half are here because they're already like, just, they're killing it. You know, they just, um, they have all the boxes checked, but they know that, you know, they could earn more or, you know, they're earning amazing and they, they want to be more present, you know, for their family um, or a lot of leaders, you know, who really want to refine their communication skills to have, uh, you know, homeostasis in their team because, you know, good organizations have good, uh, you know, team security. Yeah. Well, th th and that's interesting. I mean, because, um, I, you know, like I mentioned uh, already, I was pretty ignorant about it, but uh, I always look for things to accelerate myself. And um, I, I never considered hypnosis as a, as a tool for that. And I would bet that a lot of people don't. Uh, and, and we kind of, and, and maybe we were offline before we started recording. Um, you know, the, the truth is there's a lot of ignorance and mysticism around hypnosis, uh, and certainly probably more so in different regions of the world than others. And, and, you know, here in our medically minded, um, establishment here in the United States, you know, anything that's a little bit not mainstream or dictated, you know, let's just be honest at this stage of the game by big pharma are as usually, you know, subdued or, or brushed under the, the carpet and so forth. Um, and, and, you know, I could see that if it was a little bit more well-known from an advantage standpoint versus just an overcoming standpoint, and certainly there's those lot, there's lots of things everyone needs to overcome. So I can certainly understand that, but I can understand being a, a promoting thing for, um, you know, higher in, impact or accelerating people wanting to, to gravitate towards that. So that, I mean, that's interesting and, and who knows, I mean, Maybe it will switch to that. Maybe people will shift to that uh, as, as it gets a little bit more uh, well-known out into the, uh, you know, uh, into, into mainstream, if you will. Um, so as far as um, 
being or having a session, you mentioned virtual. So how does like a virtual session work in comparison to like an in-person type of session? It's really the same. You know, I had people um, drive and even fly in from far away because they felt like it's only going to be effective for them if we can be, you know, face to face. And even during, you know, COVID, I kept my practice open because even though we were in epidemics of stress before then, people for sure were having um, some stress and, and phobias and et cetera. So the in-person practice Truthfully, the only difference uh, is I use some biofeedback in my office. I use HeartMath Institute's uh, biofeedback tools. And unless someone has that for themselves virtually, um, then that's the only thing. But, you know, this is, is biofeedback. It's not doing anything to you. It's just giving us your, your biometrics in real time so that the two of us can monitor it. And I, I can give you maybe some, some really pointed exercises, you know, some breath or tension release exercises. But my virtual clients, I've had people who uh, have worked with me in person and then done a virtual and vice versa where they started virtual and then it came in person. And so I always confirm, you know, can you tell me, is it the exact same? And, and they say it absolutely is. Um, you need to be, you know, if we're going to do virtual in a place where you're mostly free from distractions, you know, even in my in-person, there've been a few times where, you know, the fire alarm goes off. There were guys, uh, jackhammering concrete one time, like right outside the window, which was insane because I'm yelling at my client, uh, you know, because he's, he's already sort of in this in the trance story. Um, and I asked him afterwards, he didn't hear it at all. But oh, as, wow. long as, as long as you could be mostly undisturbed, you know, we would never do it when you're driving, but I've had people in the car and they'll pull over at a park or something. I guess that was just, <laughs> that, that was the, the denseness of their schedule. They're like, I've got to do this thing, but I can only, you know, be a passenger while it's happening. So virtual is, is, absolutely the same. And I know a lot of successful hypnotists who are exclusively virtual. Okay. Yeah. And I, I want to say that hypnosis really deserves to, to be that front runner. There are so many uh, professional institutes who are using these techniques and they've, they've done a beautiful job at rebranding it. But when you look at what they're doing, it really is hypnosis. And because people, I guess, have shied away from, from that sort of, you know, title, thinking that someone was going to be, you know, uncomfortable. Is it mind control? Is it a depth of state? I don't know if I can reach it. Um, you know, I think we have an opportunity for us to recognize it so that we can all, you know, go back into the history of it and understand we can do this for ourselves. And we already are, you know, we're already hypnotized. I'm dehypnotizing people. <laughs> Well, and I agree with that. I think we, you know, unfortunately, you kind of look at our society and most people are lemmings. They're kind of walking around, not really putting the thought and the consciousness into it. And, you know, that's what part of F3's mission is as well. I mean, uh, we call men who are just kind of skirting through life without any purpose or meaning, sad clowns. And it's really kind of using our techniques uh, through our exercise and then with our fellowship and faith component of, of the organization to kind of jolt them out of it and help them rewrite their story about who they are and who they can impact. And you mentioned um, kind of major institutions rebranding hypnosis. Do you have examples of some common things that people would recognize that are really kind of hypnosis uh, just under a different name? Well, you know, the, the transformational um coaching, you know, when I, okay. when I look at so many uh, real influencers on social media, and then I hear what they're, you know, the, the subconscious um, 
reprocessing, you know, to, to me, it's hypnosis, you know, it's, it's getting oriented to the story and then collapsing the language. And that, you know, I appreciate their, uh, their brand and language. I think it's really, you know, sharp and clever and exciting. Um, but if we understand that hypnosis is not something done to you, it's uh, more of a category, just like sports, you know, under, under sports, there are so many different techniques and that's just like hypnosis. There's so many different techniques. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's super interesting. That's for sure. Um, as far as hypnosis goes or the science behind it, or just kind of, uh, how it can really benefit people. Is there anything that else that you would like to share, uh, based on your expert expertise, as far as, uh, what, what uh, you think the listeners would like to know? Well, I found it really fascinating to understand that um, more intelligence equates to more um, you know, elaborate suggestibility being possible with hypnosis, because I, I think the stigma, you know, what I would have probably guessed, you know, before I studied it was that it was more weak minded, more sort of open minded, you know, may, maybe um, woo woo type people, but really it's, it's more the type a people, the intelligent people that have a goal and that are willing to follow instructions. You don't have to believe it. It's not a placebo as long as you will participate. And I have people all the time that in our first meeting, um, you know, they, they walk in or we sign on and they're like, I'm skeptical. You know, I don't believe this. I don't understand this. And I'm, I'm like, look, I don't understand either how it is that I can have a conversation with you and you stop doing this destructive habit that you've been doing for for 40 years and, and you don't miss it or how you start sleeping through the night, how your, your pain is gone. I mean, I had, um, so many, uh, medical, you know, case studies myself. And I've actually, you know, talked with other professionals about how to document, you know, case studies so that we can supply those because the, um, the, the Mayo Institute, they actually initially formed as a way to have organized, uh, credible data for hypnosis experiences. And in the fifties, the American medical association and critical medical, critical <laughs> British medical associations, um, both, uh, you know, approved hypnosis as a, a medical modality after they watched surgery where this person wasn't anesthetized at all, just through hypnotic suggestion. I know a guy in South Carolina who had open heart surgery still awake through the power wow. of his mind. I mean, our, our mind is so well-designed and it, and it's, to me, it's the 10% is the head and it's the 90%, which is the body. And you were saying, you know, we're, we're in this mental, you know, story that we really want changed. I want the brain off because that's, that's the logical side of us. I want the, the emotional side and you don't have to be an emotional person to have emotions. Yeah. And, and you, you, you brought up a, a good point there about the understanding point, because I mean, I, I, I think that what maybe holds people back from even exploring this is they, they want to go in with an understanding of exactly how it works and want, want to understand all the logic behind it. And, you know, frankly, there's just a lot of things in life that sometimes they're unexplainable and sometimes the very best things, uh, as far as that goes. And, and, you know, I, and our, my listeners know that, uh, you know, I, I'm a chiropractor mm -hmm. and I practice chiropractic and, you know, frankly, 
there's a lot of patients that come in my office that are very skeptical of chiropractic. You know, they've never tried it before. They're, they're only there because their spouse drug them in, or, you know, finally they're in such a, you know, a, a state that they'll try quote unquote anything. And, you know, I, and I'll have to be honest with them. I, I don't know why necessarily they always, you know, they get the results that they get. You know, I can't pinpoint all the scientific method of how the body heals. All I know is the philosophy behind it, the skill involved to deliver it, uh, the, you know, kind of walking or, or moving their body in the right direction. Yet we see miracles all the time in our practice and, and chiropractors across the country. So, um, you know, I can completely relate with what you're saying there. And even more so just to kind of explain it to, to, to the, to the listeners is, yeah, I mean, that's reality. There's going to be things that you just don't know why it works yet. That doesn't mean it doesn't. It just means that you have to be open to it. And to that point, just like I know you kind of alluded to it is that if somebody comes in my office, for instance, closed-minded and doesn't want it to work and doesn't want it to be a benefit, guess what's probably not going to happen? You know, they're probably not going to see the results that they really want to see because they've already talked themselves out of what it's going to be. And they're going to find any reason for it not to work or, or whatever. I'm assuming that's probably similar to what you experience. You know, you can have doubts, but like I said, you have to participate and it's been rare, but there have been a few times where people just won't follow my instructions. I guess they expect that it is that mind control um, technique, even though I'm, I'm telling them it's not mind control, it's conversation. I, I say, come in and have a seat. Uh, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not expecting you're under my trance to do that. You could refuse my suggestion, but I'm asking you to, I'm inviting you to, I could become more authoritative and, and sort of like demand that you do it. You, you do it. I have several seats. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm not going to push anybody um, unless I need to. And of course my agenda is their goal. You couldn't be hypnotized for someone else's goal. And this is probably one of those big um, misconceptions. And I'll say too, even, you know, the guy that's introduced us, you know, or invited me, you know, in, in to, you know, share and talk about hypnosis. He wasn't, you know, seeking me out. We met in a networking group and there was another, you know, buddy in the group who's just a, a strong sharp shooter. And he's been working with me for a while because uh, he was on wall street and all the top, you know, dogs in wall street understand, you know, that the mind is the, the most valuable resource that you have. And there's no negative side effects with hypnosis. This is, this is not a religion. You know, it's, it's not a, a woo woo thing. I'm not, you know, dangling crystals over you. I'm, I'm, I'm reframing, you know, it's sort of a mix between coaching and therapy so that you could be your absolute best self. No one else's definition of your best self, but you know, so the, then the guy decided, well, okay, let's give it a shot. We'll try it for something, you know, general relaxed, uh, help me get better at golf. And then we had a couple of sessions and each time, I mean, he was hitting his goals. He would define his goals to me. I would give him, you know, the goals and the subconscious, he was achieving it. And then he thought, wow, I wonder if this could help me, you know, shave off runtime, have, have more sort of drive and focus for my, um, I think he was uh, getting himself warmed up you know, for a marathon. So I, I recognize there is a stigma, but I would encourage anyone who wants anything. It doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, child, you know, if you have a brain, um, you can help your brain by using hypnosis intentionally. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, you mentioned child there. Um, yeah. how, you know, how does it work with the child or what do parents typically bring children in for? And, 
do you personally work with children? Uh, and, and if not, um, you know, just what is your understanding of how that works with children? Children are amazing to support because they're, they're so, um, susceptible, you know, to following these, these very playful instructions, you know, imagine your brain is growing and, and feel that, you know, imagine you're taller and you're so confident. So for children, it's, it's typically very specific goals, you know, um, skin picking, you know, focus in school, test anxiety, you know, bedwetting. Uh, I do notice that for some children, I really want to also support some of the other members in the family. And I'm not going to demand it. I'm just going to recommend it. And, and that's up for the family to decide. But, you know, there's a family dynamic and, and children, you know, we don't realize how much it is that they're absorbing emotionally. Um, so it's, it's very quick with children because they don't have as long attention spans and they might not be as sort of wanting to have that relax, relax, relax state. We keep it a lot more playful. And um, I definitely have a lot of props. You know, I actually brought a pendulum, you know, for, for uh. you know, <laughs> It's what people expect. And when I do presentations, I, I bring those too, because, you know, this is what people think about when they think about hypnotism. And then I explain the history of it. And I, you know, I, I help people recognize it's muscle testing and your body is, you know, indicating that yes or no answer. It's, it's not a, a an, you know, an outside of you um, psychic phenomenon, unless that's your orientation. And, and then sure, it doesn't matter what each of us has as beliefs, what matters is, do you feel like you're in the captain seat of your life or do you feel like someone else is bossing you around? And I guess that's, what's kind of what you're hoping to do through the sessions, right? Is kind of move somebody into that captain seat mm -hmm. and really help them redefine their story and, 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 and experience those successes even before you quote unquote actually experience it because the mind is so powerful and allows you to kind of achieve those things at a higher state. Um, yeah. That's, that's very cool. And then just looking at your website here, I, the, the other thing I, I saw on here, you mentioned uh, hypnobirthing. Mm -hmm. I, I'm assuming that's a, that's a unique thing. So exactly what does that do or is, and, 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 and uh, how does that typically work? This is kind of a personal you know, story because um, when I was first sort of reading and, and considering it, my sister at the time uh, was going through some infertility. She had wanted kids since we were kids. And, and so when she was, you know, at that, that, you know, she was married and, and ready to start her family and it wasn't happening and she was so frustrated. And so I had read about infertility with hypnosis and I thought, well, you know, let's give it a shot. Um, she got pregnant the next month. And of course, you know, who knows, you know, what happened, but um, I take full credit for <laughs> of course you did <laughs> all the success in my clients' lives after we work together. That's in my fine print <laughs> of our, of our gotcha. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and on the website, it kind of refers to maybe helping pregnant women kind of prepare for the birthing process itself. I mean, kind yeah. of a relaxed state and stuff like that. I'm assuming that's what you do as well. I'm a childbirth educator. So after she got pregnant, you know, I had heard of that hypnobirthing brand and I thought, do you want me to get certified so I can support you with this? And her and I both thought it meant that I would be uh, like a doula, you know, or a yeah. midwife in that room with her. And I was because it's family, but that process was more, you know, for me, just getting through a, uh, a program of understanding anatomy, understanding relaxation and, and, you know, postural techniques. And then so much about the mindset, you know, again, it's so much about, disassociating from the fear and, and getting connected to that, that story of how you want things to go, because birth is so uh, natural. You know, our body is so well-designed 
endorphins are so much stronger than morphine. And it's like a butterfly cocoon. You know, if we, if we cut that cocoon to support that butterfly to come out, even though we're kind of, oh, it's struggling, we, we want to help it, you know, that interrupts the, the natural design that that butterfly was using to metamorphosize, right? To, to push the blood to the ends of the wings. Um, and one funny thing about that hypnobirthing is I had never thought about, you know, wanting kids that it wasn't, you know, where I was at my life. And then after that training, uh, which I actually took twice with the founder who was like in her nineties and she was, her passion was just contagious. I was like, wow, you know, I, I, I actually do uh, want a family now. What, how exciting to, um, to be so present and connected to that experience of making a human being and then raising that human being and having that, that little thing, you know, help teach you more about life. Yeah. I mean, as a parent, I can tell you that I learn every day from my kids and I'm sure anybody else out there with children would echo that same, same sentiment. Um, well, Lauren, man, this, this was interesting and, and opening. and, um, I may be having to talk to you offline about, uh, how to utilize your services for my own personal goals, uh, because this is certainly, uh, interesting stuff and, and, you know, I'm blown, I'm blown away. I really am. And I really appreciate your willingness to do that and, and come on the show today and, and really kind of just help us out. I do have a couple of just final questions to kind of pose to you. Mm-hmm. And, and the first is this, and hypnosis can be part of this answer, of course, but uh, what would be three tips that you would give somebody and, and our audience is typically men uh, to kind of launch them on what we call their hunt for wellness. So if you had three tips to kind of just help somebody get healthy and start moving in the right direction, uh, what would those three tips be? I, number one, I'm always going to have to say is awareness, right? Because that's, that's my philosophy is of how do you uh, elicit the um, sustainable recipe for change, awareness. And, and so that just means checking in. And I guess that means step two, letting go of comparison. The mind needs comparison. You know, we, we need contrast in order, order to experience anything. But of course, the mind is going to seek that contrast outside of us. So if you're looking for someone else to assess how you should be, you know, that that's never going to equate. Twins aren't even the same. So there's no one else who is you. And I guess that would sequence me to part three, which would be self-love. So be aware, relax any, you know, stress of comparison and just be absolutely so in love with yourself. And, and when we are enlivened with that sense of, of um, consciousness, there's, so much that, that we can, um, achieve, especially, you know, together in community, you know, stronger together. Cause we each can play, um, our perfectly designed part. Perfect. I love that answer. And, uh, before I ask the final question here, um, once again, I want to acknowledge you for, for you coming on the show and, and thank you once again, and, and just wish you the best as far as practice and what you're doing, um, you know, for your community and really anyone that can, you know, because of virtual, uh, aspect really anyway, anywhere. So speaking of that, uh, if somebody was interested in learning more about your practice, uh, learning more about how to get in contact with you or mm-hmm. hypnotherapy, um, what are some best contacts, uh, ways for, for them to do that? Yeah. I mean, if you Google Lauren Hall hypnosis, you know, there's, there's not many that come up, um, and there's really not many hypnotists in the whole world. You know, it's, it's a very, uh, small industry. So if this was interesting for you, maybe you consider this as a career. Um, I want people to not be dependent. I want you to learn to use this yourself. So I took everything that I've 
you know, found as successful recipe, removed any of the fluff and put it um, together uh, as self-applied hypnosis techniques. So if you go to Hall Hypnosis, H-A-L-L hypnosis.com, which is kind of an all about hypnosis, you know, little brand thing, then you can check out that. And then modern day hypnosis is where you can um, check the calendar and, and find uh, services. So I train, you know, other hypnotists too. So there's some other hypnotists that you could find in your area if you want somebody who's completely local, but, you know, again, virtual is, is just as effective. Yeah. So speaking of, of, uh, local, you mentioned Charlotte was where you were at one point, where's your current practice at? I'm in Greensboro. So, you know, I love this state, North Carolina, and I'm just right in the center right now. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Greensboro, North Carolina. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got and Dr. Hunt, I'm, thank you so much. I'm so grateful and so energized talking about hypnosis is so fascinating for me. I, I want more people to talk about it with, because, you know, what I was explaining earlier about how it's not yet on those billboards, it's because it's so subtle. And I experienced this firsthand. I help people with phobias and they come back in and they say, well, maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't that big a deal. Maybe I didn't really have you know, it wasn't that bad of a problem. I just, you know, never flew, never flew before because, you know, whatever other reason I'm like, you were crying last time, last week, you, you couldn't even talk about an airplane without crying. And now you, you told me you just went on a travel and you, you were taking pictures, but they don't recognize it. Their brain has changed. So that, that could be a way of us recognizing the power, but the subtlety. Got it. Well, again, awesome information. And so my last question for you is this, Lauren, what is your definition of wellness? As well, am I still hunting wellness? Or do <laughs> I feel like, um, I found no, just, yeah, 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 just, yeah, you can find it. Just if, if someone said, Hey, listen, what does wellness mean to you? What kind of comes to your mind? I, I have to say the word balance and it kind of takes me to that awareness, you know, and there's no one else who can tell me if I'm well or not. I'm in my captain's seat. And so I'm the only one who would have that um, ability to, to mark that checkbox. You know, am I highly well? Am I mostly well? Am I under well? So to me, wellness is, is balance. It's not physical. It's not spiritual. It's not vocational. It's not my finances. It's the whole massive picture. And it's all the spokes in my wheel that I um, decide are important to me. Perfect. I love the answer. Thank <laughs> Thanks again for being on the show. So glad to be here. Thank you everyone for listening. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to the hunt for wellness podcast. Please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com on the nation Slack at Bones or Twitter at HFW Podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness. <laughs>